and welcome to Pick a Little, Talk a Little, the podcast where we talk about a different musical every episode, and we go through it, and we have a lot of feelings, and we think way too hard about it. As always, I'm your host, Gabrielle Gazelowitz, and with me this episode is... Ariel Shear. Ariel, you're back! Yes, I'm back after a break. Close listeners to the podcast may remember Ariel from our second episode, which was Pippin, and I I think it's appropriate that you're back for this episode because what musical are we talking about this time? We're doing the pajama game, and since we are recording in my apartment, I am wearing pajamas. Um, Gabi is not dressed as appropriately as she is wearing clothes. I mean, like, you could sleep in these. You could sleep in jeans. Why not? Anything is pajamas if you believe hard enough. That is the message of the pajama game, as we're going to be learning. But to get into it, the pajama game is based on a novel called Seven and a Half Cents, which just makes me want to sing. Get to that. Um, <laughs> yep. It's a book by George Abbott and Richard Bissell. I don't know if it's Bissell or Bissell. The songwriting team are Richard Adler and Jerry Ross. They both did score and lyrics. They're mostly known, other than this, for Damn Yankees. And I will say right now that the reason I'm excited to have Ariel back for this episode is because the choreographer of this musical originally was... Oh right, it's Fosse, isn't it? It's Bob Fosse! It's like, if this musical has no other value, it's the musical that gave us Bob Fosse. The musical originally came out in 1954. There have been a couple of Broadway revivals, most recently in 2006. So this, uh... The Pajama Game is a labor musical that is the least serious of all labor musicals. It's not trying to take itself seriously. Nope. (laughs) It's sure, technically, I guess, pro-union, but it's very much a romantic comedy. You know, a romantic comedy needs some, some stupid conflict that's not a real conflict. And here it's a labor dispute. It's not as, like, in Newsies, it's like you really feel for these boys. And Pins and Needles, while a comedy is a musical just all about how great unions are. This, as we'll get to, has sort of a caricature of the big boss, but is, shall we say... It's very light. It's very light, and it is also dated. Is I know, Ariel, you had some feelings about this from a feminist perspective, and while, like, I feel you, sister... We're gonna have to write a lot of it off as it was 1954. Yeah, I mean, there are strong female characters for the time period, but for now, it, it would be very a very sexist show. Yeah, Again, well... This is a product of its time. So, oh, what we need to get to is uh, our personal relationships with the show. I've seen the movie a number of times, not recently. I know the score. I've read the libretto. Same for you, more or less? I actually don't think I've seen the movie. Ooh, or I may Doris ha- Day, who just turned 92. Or I may have seen it a very okay. long time ago. I first saw the show, I think I was in fifth grade. The middle school in my district was putting on a production of it, and I went, and they were doing a dress rehearsal during the day, and they took, like, all of the fifth grade yep. class to go see it. And I fell in love with the show and came home and started talking about it. And my mom just, like, put her head down on the table and oh, was yeah. like, Your mom was I in high school. can't I believe you're in love with this. My mom was in this in high school. She played the part of Mabel. She then directed it when she was in college. So she has, like, had enough of this show for a lifetime. And so when I came home and was talking about it and, like, wanted the soundtrack, I wanted to hear the music, my mom just couldn't 
take it. Well. And it's the one show that I love that my mother hates. So as an important disclaimer, Ariel and I both decided to read the libretto to prep for today. And we were chatting before we started recording. And our librettos are almost identical, except for a few details that I can see why her version cut out. It was tamer. Uh, It was much tamer. It was tamer Braxton. So, okay, what's weird about the start of this musical is it starts with a really cute framing device that then they immediately forget about. So we meet Heinz, who is, what is he, technically a foreman, a supervisor? I think he's he's an administrator in some capacity. He's the popular efficiency expert, is what Wikipedia says. Thank you, Wikipedia. And he comes out, and the very first thing he says to us is, this is a very serious drama. It's kind of a problem play. It's about capital and labor. I wouldn't bother to make such a point of all this, except later on, if you happen to see a lot of naked women being chased through the woods, I don't want you to get the wrong impression. This play is full of symbolism. So right away, he's telling us that it's a silly comedy. So it's good, because we're going in and we're not worrying too hard about the labor implications and I think this is a really good move it is just weird that like he never breaks the fourth wall again well unless except at the end they kind of all break the fourth wall at the well, end. That's, that's different they're not referencing that it's a play they're acknowledging the audience okay. anyway I'm still breaking it just breaking it in a different way anyway this the libretto that I had didn't have this paragraph in it at the beginning Let's, so mine is like in a hardcover like book with other fans you definitely libretos. have the original let's let's go with mine as the yeah. general authority okay okay so we start with the title drop he explains what the pajama game means and pajama game just means it's his line of business and it's just yep. it's just such a sweet song it's just so cute <laughs> this song honestly i think this song as a musical is mixed in terms of both the song list and the book there are some there are some songs in it that are totally make it worth the classic status that it has, and they're not only the songs you expect. They're not only the songs that get radio play. The Pajama Game is just a really cute song. I agree. It's very simple. It's a catchy tune, and it's a good way to like introduce who Heinz is as a character. Yeah, he really <laughs> likes work. Also, it's interesting that he's supposed to be like that. The idea of time study is like a very particular moment in American labor history of mass efficiency, like how to be as efficient as possible as a human being, which is exhausting and borderline fascist. So Heinz introduces us to some of the characters. We meet Prez, which is all we're going to know him as, who's the president of the union, um, and some of the employees. There's just always employees running around. And what we learn is that there's current agitation brewing between them and their boss, And they want a raise in salary. And the boss doesn't want to give it to them. No, it is just crazy to me in 2016 that they want seven and a half cents an hour. The the minimum wage in New York was just raised to $15 an hour. So we're talking half a percent, what it'll be in 2018. We also get the Factory Girls pretty quickly singing the next song. Um, Which is Racing with the Clock. Which is another song I really like. It's a fun song. It establishes... It establishes the time study thing. And I mean, not just that, the pace and the environment of the workplace. And this song reoccurs throughout the show. That's true. Every once in a while, you'll see the girls on the factory floor and they're singing the song or humming the song or the orchestra is playing the song in the background. It's just kind of, I guess, the theme of the show. Also, at least according to Libretto, so the name of the company is sleep tight pajamas, quote, the pajama for men of bedroom discrimination. 
So that is straight out establishing this is the 1954 equivalent of a sex comedy. They're making pajamas. It's like making lingerie would be going too far, but they're making something that you wear in privacy, that you wear with a lover, that you wear at night. So that's supposed to be a pervasive sexiness throughout. And that's one of the things that whenever the show has a problem, I sort of can gravitate to and be like, yeah, but they're taking like regular men's pajamas as being like, something sexy and a little bit edgy to like remind me of that it is the mid-1950s. I knew it was sleep tight pajamas. I didn't remember the whole men of bedroom thing. Discrimination. Discrimination thing. Oh, and we meet Sid. Yes. Sid Sorokin. Yes. What kind of name is Sorokin? Midwestern. Well, it takes place in the Midwest. Well, he's actually not from there he well, describes him as being a chicago boy anyway okay well yeah well, i was trying to decide if he was coded jewish and then i was like nah i don't think so but sid is the new superintendent and he immediately and- assaults an employee yeah <laughs> he immediately belittles insults and ultimately shoves an employee and then they're like you can't hurt an employee and he's like man this place is like so controlled by this like bummer union trying to like like I barely touched him it's like no you physically it doesn't matter if you hurt him you can't physically assault an employee our hero ladies and gentlemen well it doesn't actually stick no but like which is even worse in a way right it's like can you imagine if someone admits they admit they put their hands on like a subordinate in a workplace today that whole thing kind of just establishes the primary couple in this romantic comedy because Sid shoving a subordinate and getting in trouble with the union is he meets the head of the grievance committee. Well, oh, before he meets the head of the grievance committee, Sid sings our next song, A New Town is a Blue Town. I don't like this song. I honestly didn't remember this song until I was reading the libretto and was like, oh, I don't think I know the tune to the song. And then I listened to it and I was like, oh, I think I've heard it once. It's I've heard it a bunch of times. It so doesn't stick with me. Yeah. So this musical... The lyrics in a lot of places aren't so great, but you don't notice because the score is so fun. And so when you have a song where the score is not so great, then you notice how sort of empty and inane the lyrics are. What is interesting, though, according to John Raitt, who was the original Sid and is also my boyfriend. um, Really? How does your fiancé feel about that? I feel like he takes (laughs) things in stride at this point. Anyway. John Wright um, said that actually Frank Lesser, who wrote Guys and Dolls, wrote two songs in this musical. And I'd say they're two ends of a spectrum because it's this song and There Once Was a Man. Oh. Right. Which is the opposite. There Once Was a Man is a great song. (laughs) And my favorite song in the musical. So New Town is a Blue Town is that Sid is sad that he is in a new town. It's supposed to make us feel sorry for him. But the grievance committee shows up led by Catherine. That is that is her Christian name. Yes, she goes by sheep babe. in the sheep in the pig in the big city. Babe Williams is the chairman of the grievance committee, which I guess is the closest we have to HR at this point. Yeah, this is her position within the union. So she goes and talks to Sid, and eventually they're like, "Oh well, it yeah, they're uh, not. It's probably okay." Like, but okay, here's the thing: she's a young, attractive single woman in a musical he's a young, attractive, single man in a musical. So there are immediately sparks. Even though she doesn't think so. And then we go back into Erasing with the Clock. Again, yeah, we skip that. So we have a scene. All the factory girls on the floor are fawning over Sid and... 
Babe and Prez are having a conversation about the whatever about the- about the person that Sid uh, that Sid shoved. So the the girls and Babe anyway. have a singing argument. Which feels so Rogers and Hammerstein. Razel and I, uh, sorry, this actually came up in the Oklahoma recording of the trope of the musical song where the girl sings about not being in love as her way of singing that she's in love. Right. It's kind of like she's protesting too much. And I really like I'm not at all in love. I mean, also, it's no, cute- she's not in love. She met the guy five minutes ago, but right. whatever. Like, he's in one scene, he tells her he loves her for the first time, and a few minutes later, she's like, you don't know me. And he's like, but I love you. And it's like, oh, oh my God. Does love have no meaning? Or has it just adopted meaning recently? Actually, yes, there's a book about it. Well, so this is, like, in terms of like. Like, he immediately is attracted to her and likes her. Yeah, it doesn't work to say I'm not all, I'm not at all <laughs> in like, like, like. <laughs> I'm not at all in like, like. It doesn't have the same... But do you like yeah. them or do you like like them? But this is a really cute song. It is. This is a really fun song, even just to sing out of context. <laughs> it's very fun. Why don't you take this scene? Because I honestly, there's Gladys and there's Mabel and there's May and there's Poopsie and everyone is liking everyone else and everyone's jealous of everyone and throwing knives at other people. So why don't you just explain this part? Okay, so in the next scene... There are two secretaries, Gladys and Mabel, and Gladys and Heinz are together or not together? They're they're together. I don't know. Anyway, Heinz is always jealous of Gladys and accuses her of flirting with everybody. And Mabel is kind of just another secretary who just sees everything that goes on in the entire factory. And she calls everybody out on their stuff. She's great. So she calls out Heinz on being overly jealous of Gladys, and, and we get a great song out of it. Great song. Is it I'll Never Be Jealous Again? Yep. Is that the title of the song? That's the song. And okay. This is actually probably my favorite song in the entire show. Why? Tell me. It's a very good melody, and I feel awful for really liking this song. Don't. Because... <laughs> well, like, this is, like, problematic. I mean, the whole show is problematic, so yeah, I really shouldn't feel bad, but... Just, just remember, men's pajamas are sexy. Oh, this song is bright and fun and fine. Yeah. All of a sudden it clicks into place. Sure, that's why my, not? That's my magic trick. So, this song is about Mabel setting up all of these various situations that Heinz could find Gladys in, and, like, asking him, well, if you saw her do do this, would you be jealous? They do get kind of explicit. It's like you find a pile of men's clothes, right. you find her in the a embrace of a sailor. A pair of pants and a nice neat little pile. Yeah, and you find her in the arms of a sailor. It is actually it's, legitimately a little bit risque. Uh, yeah, it's very risque. But he just keeps going on. He's like, I would trust her. He's like, I'll, I, this is my promise. I'm never going never, to be jealous. Never, je- never, 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 never. Never be ne- jealous again. Never gonna be jealous again. No, and then Hassler walks in. Oh, yeah. So we meet the boss Hassler, and he's a real jerk pants. And he listens to some kind of right-wing anti-union fascist radio guy and tries to emulate him in all things mm-hmm. and thinks that employees are the worst. And he's just like a stereotype of a mean, oppressive boss. Anyway, so then it comes down to Sid to... Sid's middle management in more ways than one because he's also legitimately 
on the fence, which isn't a good thing because he's kind of like cowardly about stuff sometimes. And a little, he's 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 a Slytherin, and I don't mean this in a bad way against Slytherins. It's just a fact. The fact of the matter. Are we sorting the characters now? That's not a good idea. <laughs> except that Sid is a Slytherin and Babe is a Gryffindor because it's obvious. I can see that. But Sid is clearly asking about Babe. Yes. And he immediately asks her out, which is inappropriate, and HR should step in and do something about it, except there is no HR, there's only the grievance committee, which is Babe. (laughs) So he asks her out, and she says no. And then he gets defensive and is like, why don't you like me? And she's like, I'm not worth getting to know. So it's interesting, because the scene is sort of a one-off, like, hey, go on a date with me, and she's like, no. And, like, he shouldn't be that hurt. And so this is why one of the most famous, the, the most famous song from this musical, in context, is actually a little forced and melodramatic. But we do have Hey There. I really like this song. Yeah. Because, so he's singing it into a dictaphone first. So cool! It's so cool! And then it plays back. And, and he it, sings with it. <laughs> yeah, he has a duet with himself. It's like, remix. Even without the dictaphone bit, it's a lovely little like lovelorn song it's just it's just a nice song with a nice melody really nice sentiment and then when you layer in the thing where he records the first time he's singing it and then plays it back to him like that's theater brilliance like that's that's something that makes it like a really good musical song rather than just like a song that harry connick jr is gonna cover on his next album oh he doesn't need to do that because he's in the show Except there is one part where the dictaphone sings back a line he didn't sing originally. Oh, you better forget her. Forget her? Are you just too much in love to hear? But in the first time he sings, are you just too far gone to hear? Does the dictaphone sing The it? dictaphone sings, are you just too much in love to hear? That's creepy. Uh, I didn't notice that there was a difference in the lyrics until I was reading it, and then I listened to the recording, and I noticed it. I don't know if I've ever caught that. Wow. See, we learn things, too, on this podcast. I've wondered, like, do they play the same recording every night, or is it always going to be... Like, what happens if the the thing he's recording into breaks? Like, do they have a backup? Well, he's sad for just because a girl wouldn't go on a date with him. Everyone calm down. So, um, Union Picnic. Are we up to the picnic? We're up to the picnic, man. Oh, man. Okay, I always thought the picnic came much later in the show than it does. Anyway, we have a Union Picnic. It's a company picnic. Prez is creepily hitting on everyone he can get near. The version of libretto I was reading, everyone keeps being like, aren't you married? And he's like, yeah, whatever. And your version had it a little bit different. (laughs) The version I was reading, I'm pretty sure it was the school version, because it just kept talking about him living with his mother. Like, what would your mother think about that? Like, he's like, my mother's going to be out at bingo all night, like, if you want to come over. But, like, it actually makes more sense if he was like, hey, my wife's gonna be out at bingo all night. Who's he trying to seduce in this number? Gladys? Gladys. Yeah, so he sings Her Is, which I had forgotten the context, and I was like, this is a really fun song. And in the context of him being an attempting adulterer, like, he should just get an Ashley Madison account, but it's 1954. But Gladys also is just a flirt. And, like, that's been established because Heinz is always jealous of her. But I don't know if she actually does anything with any of the guys she flirts with. She may just be a flirt. Like Dolly Parton. Right. So this is just, like, this may just be that they're friends and they're teasing each other. I don't know if this is, like, a serious, like, he's trying to actually get with her. Because they laugh in the middle of the song. 
but it's like a weird it's deliberate a we- singing <laughs> laugh. A, yeah. Anyway, but her is her is is a really cute song because sometimes it's like we are talking about in the first episode of this podcast we talk about Music Man, we talk about Shapoopy and like made up words in musicals and is it worth it when you do like silly grammar made up words and it varies i like her is i think it's i think it's a it's a cute like fudge intentional fudging of grammar well that prez talks prez talks like that throughout the show even while he's not singing that's true he messes up grammar so that may just be like he's a working class man this is just his speech patterns and gladys echoes back his speech patterns in this song it's very upbeat. Anyway, it it's also, about yeah. him chasing her. Like, it seems unclear. I'm gonna get you. But it seems unclear the way it's gonna go. So we go back to like everyone at the company picnic who's not off canoodling, and they sing a really cute, sleep tight company song anthem. <laughs> I like. Do companies have like alma maters? Like, is that? I don't know. Maybe factories do. Maybe factories do. I will say now, and maybe bring it up later. I don't know when the best time to bring it up is. Maybe the most dated thing about this musical is the fact that it's an American factory labor dispute. Because nowadays, you would just close the factory and move it over to China, where they literally would work for seven and a half cents an hour and be glad for it. So it's funny that we have all this, like, blah, 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 like, factories and unions and, like, power and fair wages, and it's just, like, it's not that there aren't labor disputes in America nowadays, but it's addressing this very specific factory culture that does not exist to this extent anymore. Right. And they're not the only factory around. They keep mentioning other factories, and they're like, hey, this factory got a pay raise, this factory got a pay raise. They're like, when's our pay raise coming? Right, exactly. So this is this is just everybody kind of works in the factories. Nowadays, when you have a factory in America, it's like a statement. And here it's just like, well, where else are you going to make pajamas? I guess it's kind of like corporations in America now was what the factories were. Yeah, which would also explain like the sort of like workhouse culture. Uh, Mr. Hassler makes a speech. No one cares. He's awful. Oh, Heinz is going to knife throw. Yes. I don't understand. Sure, okay. Heinz, the business executive whose job is to keep everyone at maximum efficiency, also happens to be, like, an expert knife thrower. Well, he learned from his dad, who learned from his dad, who learned from somebody who he thought was his dad. <laughs> that's, that's a good line. That, I'm pretty that's sure that's line. an actual line in the show. He's like, I'm gonna do my knife throwing act. He's also drunk. He is drunk. <laughs> and he asks for a volunteer from the audience to stand against a board so he could throw knives around them. I think they just wanted to liven up the musical. Anyway, Babe does it and she doesn't die. Well, before Babe does that, May volunteers. So May, when I say this, I will continue, May is the fat girl. And the reason I say this is in the copy of the libretto that I own, maybe four or five times after she's mentioned, like in like parentheses as like an epithet, it says, like, a fat girl. That's her personality, that's the way she looks, and it's like, okay, fine, that's a bad. But, like, they bring it up every time. Like, sure, there's jokes in it. Like, she's like, oh, like, you can throw the knives at me, and they're like, haha, like, you're too skinny to do this, and, like, that's the joke. But, like, also, this libretto's like, by the way, she's fat. She's big. She's fat. We'll make jokes about it, but we just want you to know why. Which is why Prez never notices her, even though she spends the entire first part of the play making comments 
whenever he tries to flirt with other women is she will make a comment like oh i like that i'm ready for lunch and he just ignores her anyway babe and sid kiss which means they're gonna be together forever Forever. so we sing once a year day yes once a year day is another fun song that if you examine the lyrics too close they're like but it's such a fun song about people having a good time and like getting drunk and canoodling there's a lot of canoodling. Even though people are married. Rampant canoodling. Look at Incessant Char- canoodling. Look at Charlie up a tree kissing Katie's ear. Charlie's wife is mad as hell. Oh, well, this happens once a year. That's a little different than sneaking around, like, behind someone's back. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. But yeah, still. Anyway, yes, we still are at the oh. picnic. Now, Prez finally notices May. Because she volunteered to get knives thrown at her. And he's drunk and hasn't found anyone to acquiesce to him all night. So... So it's a reprise of her is. With May and Prez. And the stage direction at the end of the show is she yanks him off into the wings. Haha, <laughs> get it? Because she's forceful because she's big. All right. Sid goes to... Babe's house. Yeah, Sid goes to Babe's house to visit her and babe lives with her dad and her dad's like all right i gotta go to work uh you kids have fun which is like all right you're cool you're cool babe's dad um also he's weird babe's dad he's just a weird dude i mean he's he's weird in a dad kind of way like he keeps a petrified bat in his pocket I don't, I don't understand. That's not even a stereotype, <laughs> that's but that's not, just, okay. like, quirkiness taken to an extreme. Oh, this is and, different. This whole conversation is different. Anyway. So, Babe and Sid are alone, and Babe is so nervous that she is essentially trying to deflect. And we have the song Small Talk. What do you think of the song Small Talk? He wants to have sex with her. He wants to canoodle with her. Yeah. What do you think of... The song is her trying to... Say stupid inane things to deflect and him saying, like, let's not talk small talk. I have something better for your lips to do. That is, that is a good line. But, um, I have problem with the song. (laughs) I have problem with the song. I mean, I have problem with the song, too. He's very pushy. It's almost a little rapey. I don't think it's that bad. She wants him there and she likes him. That's not the issue. You can tell it's just nerves and her, like, sort of stalling for time because she doesn't want to do I don't know. The way it depends. I think it depends on how you direct it. Well, she does take off her dress at some point. That's her apron dress. She takes off her dress and hands it to him. Would you hang this up for me, please? Yeah, she does take off her clothes. Anyway, no, the reason that I don't like the song is because her small talk is terrible. Like, I know it's supposed to be forced and it's supposed to be like random stuff, but it's like things that like just don't sound right. Like, I read that horses whinny and donkeys bray. It's like, that's not something you talk about when you're trying to deflect a conversation. That's something you talk about when you're trying to educate a five-year-old. Which, you know what, maybe is appropriate for Sid. What I will give for this song (laughs) is it is a song that references a stamp collection. And this musical talks about stamp collecting. And as a philatelist, I get very excited about any piece of culture. Yeah, you don't see it come up in culture that often. And she's just like, oh, my dad collects stamps. And Sid's like, I like stamps. And he's supposed to be like the cool, sexy guy. Right. So Babe starts taking her clothes off. Right. She's like, damn, I'm out of aprons. I'll just take my dress off so it doesn't get dirty while I'm making you this omelet to avoid having sex with you. But she takes off the dress. I know. Like, it's not like, oh, I want to avoid. she's taking off the dress and then making him an omelet. Yeah, but she is, she's legitimately making him food, but they're doing it as a flirtation. 
mission. She just wants to, like, take a minute. She's totally down to do what they're about to do. Sid says, I love you. And Babe is like, we're on opposite sides of a union dispute. And he's like, oh, but I love you. And she's like, this is going to be a problem. And he's like, eh, whatever. And, like, fade to black. Guess which of them is right? So at work the next day, Babe and Sid are still liking each other. And they sing the other Frank Lesser song. Assuming that that's a true thing. (laughs) What is the title of the song? There Once Was a Man? There Once Was a Man. And it's this really fun, rollicking, upbeat, jubilant song comparing their love to all the great loves that ever came before. And it's so sweet, and there's only one racist line suggesting that Native Americans like scalping people. But, like, it's mostly (laughs) a really great song. I don't actually know most of the references of the love stories. Like, I got Adam and Eve, and that was pretty much and like classic fairy tales but that's pretty much it well there's like the trojan war and they make a lot of weird references at the end more than a hangman loves his rope more than a dope fiend loves his dope yeah but they have to sort of wake up because it's back to work and it's still a labor dispute and hassler is still being a jerk face um and he's very protective about his book Oh yeah, also he won't really let anyone see his books, which is, I think, the red flaggiest red flag. Yeah, he makes Gladys wear a key around her neck to the locker that, like, yeah, that's pretty weird. holds his books. He's like, don't give that key to anybody, don't look in the books. So the workers decide to do a slowdown, which is what it sounds like, is that they can't, they won't strike, but they'll intentionally work slower to reduce efficiency as a way of protest protesting. I remember the production I saw showed this in the show by playing the hurry up song in a slower measure. Yeah, they sing it with a much slower tempo, so which is clever and cute. And Sid comes in and like threatens everyone. So in protest, Babe like jams the machine. Jams the machinery to stop up the whole line. And Sid is immediately like, you're fired. Well, he asks who did this, and she got up and she's like, I did, because I think she figured, oh, we're so much in love, he's not going to fire me. And then he fires her. Um, I think that that might be part of it. I think mostly she's not going to hide. That's just not who she is. So she's fired, Sid is sad, obviously this does not bode well for their relationship, and Act 1 ends with him singing a sad reprise of Hey There. Will things ever be right? Find out in Act 2. Oh look, we're up to Act 2. We're at a union meeting. Prez makes a big pro-union speech. He's like, oh, and to celebrate, let's have a little number. This is like the first time we saw Iconic Fosse. Down to like the hats, down to like the way they move. This is all Fosse. This is Steam Heat. Which is the other song that you've definitely heard of. I love this song a lot. Again, the lyrics are kind of lacking. But it's okay but here. It's okay here because it's a it's a show within a show moment. And it's not about anything. It's just a, a cute little like romantic song. But then the end they do say, come on, Union, get, get hot. hot. The thing is, this is Gladys singing it. That has varied from production to production. Okay. In the 2006 production, it was May, that which I wonder if it's a, makes is a more choice sense. to like counter the weird, like mean fat joke stuff. It also makes more sense for it to be May because Gladys is a secretary. Absolutely. She's not a factory worker, so there's no reason all 
good for her to be in the union, but it doesn't make as much sense for Gladys to be in the union as for May to be in the union. So what I will say, Kathleen Marshall, who directed the revival, actually says, Heinz accuses Gladys of being a flirt, and she's not. Debatable. So does it make sense that she'd go and strut herself in front of the whole union? Heinz would say, aha, you Felizzi, I caught you. Also, she's the boss's secretary, so why would she be at a union meeting? Exactly. But I think whoever was playing Gladys, they just wanted to give her a song. Maybe. So there's another union meeting at Babe's house? Yes. But she's not in the union anymore because she got fired. I don't know. Maybe they've arranged it that that's their home base. But Prez and May are having a little bit of a lover's tiff. Yeah, whatever. He's married. I mean, he it's is weird. married. <laughs> and they're trying to talk union stuff, and Sid shows up and tries to... He comes in with Babe's father. He's like, he comes in and he's like, hey, look who I found at the store. Yeah, but then Sid has a lot of nerve showing up and being like, just because we're on their different sides, is that any reason for you and me to get all balled up? And it's like, Sid, you don't have a personal investment in this. It is your job to help run the factory and therefore help mediate workers, but whether or not they get paid seven and a half cents doesn't affect you. Like, you want to raise, that's your own problem. But he's like, oh, we're on different sides of an issue. To her, it's not be disagreeing with someone. To her, it's you being against her. And that is not what you see. Damn it, Sid. Ugh, you idiot. But Babe stands up and she says, I'm the sweetheart of the local 343, which is so cute because she's like, the union is my boyfriend. Sid admits that he's really nervous about keeping his own job. They talk more about stamp collecting. They say there's a universal appeal in stamps. And then Babe sings a reprise of Hey There. Yeah, it's cute. So back at the factory for pretty much no reason, where Heinz is going to sing Think of the Time I Save. Which is a great song. I love this song! And this song was another song I thought came much earlier in the show than it did. Like, it's a weird place to put the song. Yeah. Because the drama's been picking up, and this is, if you're supposed to be efficient as a show, this is a weird place to put in a song about it. Like, Heinz wouldn't approve. But it's a really cute, fun song about about time study about time study and all the ways that you can save time in ways that are absurdist and has no bearing on the rest of the show but that's okay because it falls into my belief that if a song is good enough and fun enough then it doesn't matter also i find it ironic that he says that he sleeps in his clothes when he works in a pajama factory that's true i know and later they make him like put on a pair of pajama pants and it's like, no wonder he's being weird about it. It's not about taking off his pants, it's about wearing pajamas. My favorite anyway, my favorite part of the song is the dark humor where to save time, he's going to dig his own grave. <laughs> so Sid and Hassler, Sid is suffering from middle child syndrome in the extent that because he is on neither side, he gets along with no one. The workers see him as siding with Hassler. Hassler doesn't like him either. Oh, Hassler, Hassler. It's spelled different, but it's because he hassles them. Hmm, intentional? Probably. So there's a weird moment here where they're talking about competitors and Sid tries to mention Marks and Klein. And Hassler goes, Marks and Klein, damn chain outfit, damn communists, want another price cut, I suppose. And it's clearly him being anti-Semitic. They're factory owners. They're clearly not communists. I mean, also one of them is literally named Marks, but still. 
yeah, fun so, fact, that line was cut out in the libretto that I read. Kids can't handle that sort of thing. Nope. Um, so it turned out that after the slowdown failed, what the factory workers have been doing is intentionally doing shoddy work. Um, Such as, like, using only one thread to sew on a button so it's not on, and as soon as somebody puts on the pants or shirt, like, the button will pop off. Yeah, so we get a hilarious scene of Heinz's, like, pants falling down a bunch of times. Slapstick comedy. So Sid tries to get the key from Gladys because he knows something is up with the books. So he's flirting with her. So finally... Um, she is like, well, I know a place. And we go into Hernando's hideaway. I shouldn't like this song as much as I do. Oh, come on. It's a really good song. (laughs) It's so silly. It is silly, but that's what makes it a good... All of the songs in this show are silly. Yeah, it's funny because the point of Hernando's Hideaway is it's a dark, secluded place, a place where no one knows your face. A glass of wine, a fast embrace. It's called Hernando's Hideaway. Ole. Anyway, it's just re- it is a really funny over-the-top song of this, like, dark place where, like, you and your lover can be secret together. And it's, like, so dark that people can't even find the person they're with. And then everyone runs into everyone there. Right. All of the characters that we have met in the factory all end up at Hernando's hideaway. I mean, I guess when there's only one place in town where you can hide out, then it kind of defeats the purpose. Gladys gives Sid the key. I think it's because she's drunk. Yes, he gets her drunk. She gives him the key, which is like, all right, that was that was easy. And then Heinz walks in on them at Hernando's hideaway with Babe, and he kind of just doesn't say anything. Like, he's gotten over his jealous streak. He kind of walks in and is like, oh, hey, well, Gladys, hey, Sid. So we think. There's randomly a ballet interlude where Heinz imagines Gladys fooling around with a bunch of women, and he chases her off stage with a knife. Oh, shit, I didn't remember that part. No, he is still jealous. He, yeah, he definitely is. Meanwhile, Babe sees Sid with Gladys and thinks that they're together now. He wants to explain, but no, there's a problem between them. Anyway, so then a knife goes into the wall near Sid's head, and Heinz is knife-throwing and claims he's missing them on purpose, which is, jeez, man. And then Hassler walks in, and he's like, we gotta talk about some things. Right, so... Sid confronts Hassler, and he says what he found out is that six months ago, he raised the cost of production to account for seven and a half cents an hour for all employees, but has been pocketing the extra. And he finds this out because he got the key from Gladys, and then he went to the office, got the books, and was pouring through them all night. And that's how he finds this out. Right. What's interesting is that Sid blackmails him. It's not just that he says you have to give people their due. He says, also, I want to raise. So we have what's going to become, it's a, a union rally that could boil over into a strike. And we have another great song. This is like just a brilliantly written song. Like the concept is really smart. It's called Seven and a Half Cents, and they do math and they calculate how much you would make on a seven and a half cents an hour salary over like a year and five years and 10 years and 20 20 years. years. And then they talk about all the things you can buy with the money. Of course, by the end, it's like you can't 
actually buy your own Taj Mahal for the money that you're talking about. They're building up and up of all the ridiculous things that you can buy, assuming you wouldn't buy, like, food. Seven and a half cents doesn't mean a thing, but give it to me every hour, 40 hours every week. That's enough for me to be living like a king. And they're up, up in this frenzy, and Sid shows up. So he says, hey, I come from the other side, and I have a negotiation for you. We'll raise the salary to seven and a half cents if you guys forfeit the back pay, if you don't, if you don't make us pay you more retroactively. And they agree to it, and they say, we won. Is Sid not going to tell Babe what happened? Like... Sid's it doesn't be- seem like he is, because they've been arguing for seven and a half cents for a while, and if they knew that Hassler was already accounting for it, then they're entitled to back pay, and they're kind of just like, well, we got what we the raise we wanted, we might as well just like not argue with it in fear of losing our jobs. But now that Sid has effectively ended the strike, even though he was kind of a creep about it, which Babe doesn't realize, they can officially get together and they can reprise There Once Was a Man, which is so fun. It's really a musical that very last minute resolves very tidily. It's like Sid has Hassler by the ears and then we have this really fun song and then Sid comes in and in like three lines of dialogue resolves all of the issue and then they have a bunch of fun reprises. Like that's it. When they say this is a, a problem play, a very serious drama, this is them proving once and for all that it most definitely is not. They go back to Hernandez Hideaway to celebrate, and we finish up with, like, a sleep-tight commercial with a full company singing the pajama game. They do a sleep-tight fashion parade, which is adorable. There's yeah. a few weird things about it. Like, Hines goes, now I trust her night and day. That's true love, the sleep tight way. Which I think in the reprise they divvied up that line. And Gladys yeah. tries to sneak off with other boys. And the stage direction is, but Hines yanks her along with him. He has a chain on her. Yeah, that stage direction was not in the libretto that I read. There you go. But stage directions are just suggestions. They're more guidelines They're, than actual yeah. text. Yeah. Um... Um, there is a moment where it says curtain opens revealing Sid in pajama bottoms and, and Babe, Babe in pajama drop. tops. And they mention that they're married. And then they all sing that the we pajama can hardly game. wait to, get, to wake and get to work at eight. Now that they are making seven and a half cents, they're very excited to go to work. Okay, I should mention that in the 2006 revival, they added three songs, which is The Three of Us, Me, Myself, and I, The World Around Us, and If You Win, You Lose, which originally was called Watch Your Heart. These songs don't interest me. Well, Me, Myself, and I is added in for Heinz to sing to Gladys about him falling in love with her. He's like, there are three people battling for your attention. It's Me, Myself, and I. So the world around us is just an ex- was just an excuse for Harry Connick Jr. to croon. Right, and that was Sid singing about, singing to Babe about how they're star-crossed lovers. Anyway, this musical came out in the early days of the Tony Awards when I think it was the ninth Tony Awards ever, when there weren't so many categories and there weren't like nominations in the same way there are now. But it got Best Musical. Carol Haney, who played Gladys, got Featured Actress in a Musical. And Bob Fosse, first nomination, first win, knocking it out of the park for Best Choreography. You go, Bob Fosse. So yeah, this musical is light and sweet and silly. And it's nice that the backdrop that like the context of the show is something that can otherwise be very serious but this show is not treating it seriously it's another musical where the a characters aren't as interesting as the b characters 
here we go into our lyrical portion. Let's start with our least favorite lyric. I was trying to think and honestly I was having a lot of trouble because the lyrics are fun but none of them are particularly good or particularly bad. I'm going to pick a lyric from Small Talk. I read in a book the other day that halbit spawn in early May and horses whinny and donkeys bray. And furthermore, the pygmy tribes in Africa may have a war. It sounds like a bad Dr. Seuss book. Yeah, a little bit. Not very strong like it's lyrics. So, like it's supposed to be awkward, but it's so awkward. It just feels weird and icky. And it's actually Sid singing that. I think he's trying he's to being make- sarcastic. I think he's making oh, fun crap. of her. Wait a second. <laughs> I will say my least favorite lyric is what pleases me is what I'll do in once a, once year, a day. year day because I know that they're trying to be cutesy but it's not cutesy enough that it doesn't pull off the inverting the syntax like that. So I have a couple contenders for favorite lyric from there once was a man that are so good. It's tough but I'm going to go with my love is a giant, fierce and defiant, but how can I prove it to you? Ain't got no kingdom or dragon to back up my bragging. How can I show what I would do? Which is great. There's assonance, there's alliteration, the imagery is really good, it's really fun. It's really fun in a way that doesn't feel corny, it works really well with the score. It's just like a really well-written bite of a song. Okay, so mine is also from There Once Was a Man. It rocks my whole solar plexus. It's bigger than Texas. I just can't tell you how it feels. That's great. And, and it's, yeah. it's a good rhyme, and it just it feels very yeah. good in it's, that song. It's just really creative love metaphors or also similes. So that's the pajama game, and it is the game we're in, and we were mighty glad to be in the pajama game with you. Ariel, thank you so much for coming back on the show. No problem. It was I, fun. I can't guarantee I will preserve every Fosse musical for you, but I am so glad that with you we are two for two. Yes! Please, if you like this episode, rate and review us on iTunes, even if you don't subscribe to us on iTunes. Rate and review us on iTunes anyway. If you don't have an iTunes account, force someone who has an iTunes account to have a review. Talk a little. You can follow us on Twitter at PalTalPodcast, as in P-A-L-T-A-L. Email us at PalTalPodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. Pick a little, talk a little. We are produced and edited by the incomparable Rachel Jacobs. You can find her at Rachel-Jacobs.com or on Twitter at WTFRJK. I've been your host, Gabrielle Gazelowitz. I'm at GabrielleGazelowitz.com, which is spelled in a way that you probably wouldn't guess. And I'm on Twitter at Gabby Gazelowitz. So see if you can find me. So until next time, as they say in Next to Normal, it's time for me to go. And so, goodbye. Well, I'm appropriately dressed for this musical. I don't think you are. I came here from work. <laughs> yes, so that's right. We're doing <laughs> Naked, the musical. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Calcutta. <laughs> anyway. Totally.